Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Wow. I am um, wrecked already, and we haven't even started because this heart abandoned song, when they play it, I just get it all in my feels, and I just, you know, and I'm just all about Jesus in the moment. So I had something I want to say, but it doesn't even matter at this moment. I'm just lost in Jesus, and it's nice because it's blacked out. I can't even see your face anyway. So if you're with me, we're just going to rock and roll. I want to tell you today um, two things as we start out. One, I had the hardest time trying to figure out what I was going to wear today. I struggled. I'm not even kidding. I was sitting down last night, Saturday night before I preach. It's always a long night. I sit with my wife, and it's about 9 45, 10 o'clock. I closed my laptop, said, I'm done, I got it. And she said, What? It's early. I said, Yeah, but I cannot figure out what I'm going to wear. And she was like, Oh, okay. Usually my wife is used to me, like these insightful things come out of my mouth that are so deep and amazing, the mysteries of the world that I speak to her. And so I think she was a bit surprised that I couldn't figure out what to wear. And maybe some of you are a bit surprised that I'm even talking about this. Maybe even more surprised at all that, and this is what you chose to wear to church today. Yes, this is what I chose to wear. And imagine when I woke up this morning, I saw the rain. I said, are you kidding? Now my hair is going to be all frizzy on top of the outfit that I have no idea what I'm going to wear. This is going to be an interesting morning. I go to bed frustrated about my outfit. And then I suddenly realized that I don't like the introduction to my sermon. I mean, I had all these great things that I wanted to say, and I started praying, all right, Lord, do whatever it is you're going to do. And suddenly this came to mind. This is the intro to my sermon, my outfit. <laughs> right on. Well, Lord, you do your thing. I'm going to show up, and you just speak, and we're going to have a good time and see what happens. It's amazing how the Lord works. It's crazy. And I want to tell you something. I don't say that for just, no, just to be silly or to whatever. There's a reason behind everything that God does. Everything that he says to you, there's a reason behind it. And there's a reason that you are here today sitting in a chair. It's not by accident that you're here. God planned that. And so we start with knowing that he is already moving in your life. And that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I think we ought to pray before I get lost in something else. You with me? Let's just pray real quick. God, we just invite you into this place. We know that you're already here. We can feel your presence so strongly in the worship and the people that we meet, the hands that we shake. Father, you're so amazing that you set all of this up. As Sean said, in a public school. And here we are proclaiming your word and your gospel. Amen. Father God, you are amazing. So we ask that you move. We ask that you mold us and shape us. We ask that you allow us. Lord, we just laid down our lives today, the things that have gone on in our past, our present, and our future, the plans that we have and the things that have happened to us maybe. But we all laid at your feet this morning. Come on, everybody say amen to that. So there's a passage that's been on my heart uh, that we're going to talk about this morning because we're coming into this series that I'm really excited about. What if the church loves KC? And this part of the sermon series is what if the church cares? I was sitting with one of my leaders this week in my office, which is a really fancy professional office called my dining room. And so we sit there and we do all kinds of good work in there. And I was asking her, I said, what do you think about this question? What if the church cares for our city? And she lights up like a Christmas tree. 
so excited to think about the possibilities of what would happen in our church, or in our city rather, if the church cared. It's going on and on. And of course, I'm a little older maybe, a little bit more pessimistic, and I said, what a crazy question. What if the church loves Kansas City by caring? It's preposterous. Why are we standing here even asking this question? Because to me, why isn't it already happening? Or why hasn't it happened in such a radical way that we're not having a sermon series about it? Isn't that weird? Does it seem weird to you? Yet I can't be alone in this. Thank you. I thought they went to sleep already. No, we're just getting started today. But I'm telling you, as I sit and think about the possibilities too, I go back to her excitement. I think, yes, because if the church understood what it would mean and what it would do, can you imagine what it would look like? Oh, man. But I want to submit something to you today. Listen, if you've been a believer in Jesus your whole life, I want to submit this to you today that we don't care for our city because we simply don't know how. That's a bold thing to say. But I don't mean it in the terms that we don't have the desire to do it. And I don't mean it in the terms that we don't do it well in several different areas. But what I want to submit to you is that we don't know how. Or we certainly don't understand what it means to care for our city. Again, it's not that the desire is there. The reason I say that is because there's really a lot of guilt and shame that comes over us as believers. Amen? Do you feel that? Because we want to love our neighbors. We want to care for people. And we get a little stuck in it. Culture is so loud with their anti-Jesus preaching and the things that are going on. And the things that we don't understand is going on even in our own neighborhood. And it's easy to say, you know, I just, I can't be Billy Graham. I can't be Jesus. I don't know how. And then we kind of go back into the corner and live our life. Not today. Something's been stirring in my heart over the past couple of years, and it's hilarious if you knew me, but I'm going to write a book about it, which is funny because my sister thinks I'm in war with commas. She goes through our newsletter. She said, you have the worst grammar I've ever seen. I said, I know. And to think for a short time, I was an adjunct professor at a college, and my grammar is this bad. That's how you know God is real. Are you? Hello? Hello? That was funny. Nothing from you. I see how we're going to roll today. I got you. Put this slide up. Look, let's dig into this. Acts 1, 8 through 11. You have heard this before, and I want to give it to you this morning because I think this is the key to how we're going to do this. Right on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the last thing that we have that Jesus did. The last thing that he said to us was this, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. You want to put that into the context of the first century. You're going to be my witnesses in Belton. You're going to be my witnesses in Grandview and Kansas City. And you're going to be my witnesses at the ends of the earth. That's what it looks like. Witnesses means this, martus in Greek. It says those who bear witness to the truth as it is in Jesus. 
Truth is a powerful word, amen? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Truth is reality. It's an actual facts. It's what it is. And Jesus is that. I say that to encourage you. That's who you have access to. Jesus, Yeshua, King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen? Amen? Amen. Look at y'all, quick learners. So I want to tell you a little bit about my life, just real quick. Sean said 20-some minutes. I'm really trying to be respectful of that because I know they're grilling some food and something going on. I don't want y'all to miss that. So we're going to be good today, 27 minutes. I grew up in Washington, D.C. Pray for me. I still have to try to get, shake that off. It's a rough town. So I grew up in Washington, D.C., and when I was 30 years old, we're going to skip past a lot of stuff for the sake of time. When I was 30 years old, I was at my work. I was at my job. I had this corner office. And I loved my corner office. And I had this beautiful furniture. And I was in sales. And we used to take clients to NASCAR races and NFL games. It was amazing, this job that I had. And I was just coming into a time where I was really going to start making a lot of money doing it. And that was even more exciting. And so I was sitting in my office by myself because I would stay late or I would work holidays and nobody else wanted to work or whatever. I volunteered for that because that's who I was. And I was sitting in my office, I felt God come over me. And so powerful was his presence, I couldn't deny anything that he wanted. And I just remember saying to him, God, take my life. I don't know what that means, but you can have it, do it, I'm done. And as I looked in my office and all the things that the world tells you you're supposed to have, or all the things I thought that I was supposed to have that was supposed to make me happier, fulfill my life, looked like garbage. It was the weirdest thing. At that time, I didn't know it, but at that time, I was a top sales rep in a five-state region, killing it. And then I meet God in that moment, giving my life. You know, two weeks later, I was the only sales rep who was laid off, the only one. Weird. Then, another two weeks later, I was on a plane to Kansas City, even weirder. Because of like a couple of months before that, my sister-in-law was out here. My wife said, do you think we'll ever move to Kansas City? I said, good Lord, woman, why in the world would we do that? <laughs> We're just in Kansas City. I don't know nothing about Kansas City. Until I came here and I had Jack's Egg Barbecue and that is all I needed to know. <laughs> See, now you're laughing. I got you. I'm just going to learn a little bit about each other. I say it's God and Jack's Egg that got us to Kansas City. Amen. My parents came out. Had Jack's Egg. Guess what? They're starting to look at houses. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, go back home. They think, if anybody's watching from back home, you think you have barbecue out there, but I'm telling you, you do not have barbecue out there. You have like a little barbecue sauce put on whatever it is you put on the grill. That is not barbecue. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So listen, we get out to Kansas City and we get into Belton. Long story short, I become a youth pastor. And I went back and I looked it up recently in my emails. Two weeks after I became a youth pastor, I suddenly realized I had no idea what I was doing. Not a clue. I went from this high-powered sales job to I get to this desk that is broken and falling apart. And when I open the drawers, there's nothing but squirt guns and rubber band guns. I said, what has happened to my life? It was this weird thing. But I had no idea what to do with any of it. But I knew from growing up that young life did. And so when I went back and I looked at my emails, two weeks after I started, I sent an email to the local young life guy. And I met up with this man at Starbucks, and I just, I can't even talk about him, I love him so much. But I met up with him, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he said, well, just let's start hanging out. 
And so I started hanging out with Young Life. And something that he said changed my world view of how to do ministry. Just my entire life was changed when he said to me, we have a club on Thursday nights. Brian, I wish we could get rid of it. I said, what are you, crazy? That's like your youth group night. Same thing. He said, I don't even want it. Young Life is not about club. It's not about a show. It's not about a program. It's about being in kids' lives. He goes, I do Young Life because I go to their games and I cheer them on. I do Young Life because I get into their families. I get into whatever it is that a kid is doing, I'm there. And I want to be in their life. I want to celebrate their victories with them. And I want to be there when they're in their defeats. And I don't care at all about club. It's just a storefront. And it blew me away. So suddenly, he's just, I'm just with him and we're just chasing kids. It's amazing. But then when you do go to club... It's like the best thing I've ever been to. I was 30 years old the first time I went. I said, this is amazing. I'm 39 now, and every time I go, I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) This is a good time. It's amazing. But it's simply this. We go after every kid. We get into their lives. We get to know them. And one of the things I love about Young Life is we say we earn the right to be heard with these kids. You'd be amazed at how much we don't talk about Jesus when we're with these kids. You just get to know them. Because here's a simple trick that some of you already know. Kids, they just want to be known. Amen? The reason that's a trick is because you're an adult sitting here today. You feel the same way. And I know you feel the same way because I feel the same way. I just want to be known. Oh. Belton Young Life. All right, I'll tell you this first. I'm kind of debating. So there's the thing. So I was telling you, you know, I think that we just don't know how to do it properly. And there was, when I was, I can't even say it. When I was in Young Life starting out, this man, Robert, told me, he goes, Brian, your whole life will change if you remember this. Oh, boy versus oh, no. I said, what does that mean? He said, it looks like this. You're going to camp with me in a few weeks, and it's in Minnesota called Castaway. You're going to jump into a lake that's probably 51 degrees. It's going to feel like 20. He said, so you have two choices. When you run down to the lake with the kids, it's either oh boy or it's oh no. And if you go into it with an oh no attitude, that water is going to feel like 20 degrees. And the kids are not going to like it. And they're not going to have a good time. And you're not representing Jesus well. Well, now I feel guilty, so I can't do that. So here we go. Oh boy. You change your mindset to, oh boy, when you're running to the lake, it's like a sauna when you get in the water. It's refreshing. It's amazing. And kids are following you. They're just hyped up too, and they're running and jumping in. I got so excited when I was running down to that lake. It's funny because Jackson's here. That was a trip you and I were on. I was running down the lake, so excited. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Right now, I missed the boat. No idea. I missed the boat. I asked the guy at the end of the dock, I said, can I just jump in and swim after? He goes, I don't care what you do, go on. (laughs) No boy. And he said, sit down, I'll call it back. So thank God he called it back. But it's this oh boy versus oh no. I want to give you this other one. This is why I was laughing. Two weeks ago, we took the kids to camp down at Table Rock. Oh boy. (laughs) As I'm sitting in our room in our bunkhouse, and the boys started rapping. 
like one-liners. And this one kid was going, he was like, give me a word, give me a word. Give me. And so we give him a word. And he'd make up this little bar, this little rhyme. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Look, when I grew up, it was with Tupac and Biggie. I mean, there were some big guys and rappers. Like, y'all are ridiculous. The stuff you got today is terrible. The stuff that we had was even worse, to be honest with you. If you go back as a, real, as a believer in Jesus and you listen to it, it's like, I shouldn't even be saying it. I was listening to that. But they're spitting out rhymes. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So the moment comes, and I spit this masterpiece bar. And the boys, yeah, what was that? And this one kid goes, hey, DJ Cool Whip, that's your name, that's your name, DJ Cool Whip. I was like, yeah, DJ Cool Whip. Can't wait to tell my wife my new nickname. She thought she loved me before. But DJ Cool Whip coming into the house, you all don't know. Here's where we get to the old boy part. The next night, one of my favorite leaders on planet Earth tells one of my other leaders, hey, tell Brian to come up with a rap to tell him that tomorrow we're going to have one-on-ones with them. And they told me this. I said, are you kidding me? Do you know how long it took me to come up with one line? <laughs> now I got a rap about a thing going on all day tomorrow? So I said, all right, all right. Oh, boy. An hour goes by. I didn't say a word because I'm coming up with this amazing rap. And so finally, I got to be honest with you, I'm nervous. Because I don't know if you know, but I'm white. And I don't know if you know this, but I have no music ability at all. Zero, none, zilch, done. I, I have no rhythm. I can't even spell rhythm. You know what I mean? And so I'm laying in the bed. Oh, boy. Now's my moment to shine. And I jump out of the bed. I said, gather around. Sit up. Listen. And I go into what could only be described as a platinum hit. These kids go bananas. DJ Cool Whip! They were just, oh boy, I got back into bed. Praise Jesus that it's over. It was embarrassing, to be honest with you. But they loved it. No, I'm not going to do it for you right now. No, no, no. I know some of y'all are thinking, uh-uh. No, sir, no, ma'am. But here's why I tell you that. Because that little silliness... Every time I go to camp, I get them to sign something. So, you know, I might go to the camp store and I might find something that looks like camp or reminds me of camp. And I have all the kids sign it. I have a whole wall of stuff now. All the events that we do, if I bring a football or whatever, they sign at the end. I put it on my shelf. It's like that's my trophy wall. You know, some people collect baseball cards or whatever. I don't collect any of that stuff. I collect this stuff. This is what means everything to me. And so I got a Frisbee this year. And I look on the back of the Frisbee and this kid had signed it. Your boy. Little Cool Whip. Say, yes! Victory is mine! But the funny thing is that this is a kid I've been chasing. Got him. It's amazing. Because I cared enough to act like an idiot. Got him. And this kid's going into ninth grade. So I'm going to have another four years with him. And I'm going to get him even more because God has a calling on his life. There's other kids just like him. Some of you actually came to see me today. Guess what? I just ain't got you yet. For him, it was a little cool whip. For you, uh, we'll figure it out. We will get you. Rather than going on and explain a little bit more, I have a video. It's real short. And it just kind of explains Belt and Young Life and what we do. And I thought I'd show it to you if you guys can cue that up. Let me take you in here. It's almost just like hollowed ground when you when you come into the bar. 
So when they, they come into this club room, uh, they're greeted by their leaders who absolutely love them and they're screaming and we have the tunnel that they run through and we're giving them high fives, we're patting them on the shoulder and they see the signs, we want you here. Uh, and they know that we want them here because we get in their life, because we meet them at Starbucks. We meet them for lunch at their school. We sit at their dining room table with them and their families. Uh, and we cheer them on and celebrate their victories and um, walk through their losses at their games. And so they come in here and they know they're going to dance um, and they're going to party and they're going <laughs> to have some games that may or may not be messy, but they're going to laugh and uh, just have a really good time. Um, and at the end of the night, uh, they're going to hear about this man, Jesus, and, and about the hope that is offered uh, through Jesus. Yeah. There you go. It's funny, that game, believe it or not, it's called Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Essentially, what we do at Young Life is this. And this is the reason that I love coming to, to Real Life Church. We've been coming here for a short time now. We're still um, kind of learning everything. And, uh, but it's the reason that I love Real Life Church. It's not because I think Sean is amazing, and I do think Sean is amazing. It's not because I like it when he pays for lunch, because I do like it when he pays for lunch. <laughs> and it's not because it might be because of this. You have a man here named Drew Holcomb. Wait till you see this announcement video with Drew Holcomb. I've never met anyone like Drew Holcomb. Matter of fact, I just met him today. He has more joy. Let me explain something to you. Yes, give it a round. No, listen. It's fine. I was so excited to meet Drew Holcomb. Last week, I was standing in the lobby. Real quick, I can tell you. I was standing in the lobby real quick, and Drew Holcomb came up next to me. I looked at my wife. I was like, that's Drew Holcomb. <laughs> she was like, okay. I said, should I meet him? Should I say, what do I say? I didn't bring a Sharpie. I don't have anything for him to sign or autograph. The guy's amazing. When that video comes, sorry, Sean, you're preaching. But his, it was amazing. It's just amazing. Because what I see in Drew is an outward expression of the inner work of Jesus Christ in his life. And he's not afraid to shine that light. And he's not afraid to just be passionate about it and silly about it. And it's a joy that's infectious, that draws people into Jesus because of that. And he's not the only one at this church that's like that. And he's not the only one in this community that's like that. Our leaders at Belton Young Life were like that. You come into John chapter 4. We're going to go through this really quick. This is the woman at the well. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. He is a Jew. She is a Samaritan. They don't hang out. It's like Belton and Ray Peck on a whole other level. Right? He's not supposed to be talking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. And he has a conversation with this woman that changes her life. We read in John chapter 4, verse 28. Did I have it out? I did put it on his side. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Whatever it was that Jesus said to her, she left there saying that he told me everything about me. That conversation that he had with her changed her life. And countless others, so much so that 2,000 years ago, uh, afterwards, we're still talking about it. Do you know that's not in the Bible? It's extra biblical. Take it for what you want. But church history tells us that this woman went on to be an evangelist, a woman in that era. She spent the rest of her life preaching about Jesus, and she was martyred for it at the end of it. 
a simple conversation. I say this to you, that I just don't think the church knows how to express that we care. And there's so many different reasons for this. And one that I always like to bring up is, you ever notice our architecture of our homes anymore? Used to be back in the day, huge front porches. Everybody would sit on the front porch and they would talk to their neighbors and have conversation and get to know people. You ever drive around? There are no front porches anymore. It's not there. But instead, we've got huge privacy fences. We've got massive decks and amazing backyards. We pull our cars into the garage and shut the door so we don't have to be seen or talk to anybody. It's what we've become accustomed to. Nobody knew that the enemy was an architect. He's done a good job. Doesn't that resonate with you? Like, yeah, you're right. We don't know how to talk to people. And when we come into church, we go through these passages that we're supposed to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to do, and we encourage you and empower you to do that. But I can't help but think all those years that I sat in church, I said, I'm not Billy Graham. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I want to tell you, just let people into your home because everybody loves to eat. When Jesus saw people, he met with them and he ate with them. We invite people over to the house, have a meal. I met my neighbor the other day, the other side of the fence. My other neighbor's here. They're cool. But the other one on the other side of the fence, he's cool too, but I don't know him. He said, what do you do? I said, I hang out with a bunch of kids. I said, we deal with teen moms too. He's like, man, that's awesome. I said, yeah, it's pretty crazy. They just need somebody in their life to love them. He goes, man, I respect that, what you do. I said, cool. And so we hang out and talk a little bit over the fence. It's kind of funny. He climbs the fence, we just talk. (laughs) I've been there for several months. I've not even met Jesus. He really doesn't know what I do. He thinks I'm some old guy hanging out with a bunch of kids. But what I'm saying for you is, Listen, you have this. You have his Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is not about you. It's not about you doing anything. It's about the Holy Spirit doing it. When you invite people over to your home and you just have a meal with them, you don't need to go off about Jesus. You don't need to take the Bible and throw them upside the head with them. You don't need to do that. You just love on them. You just have dinner with them. Talk about sports. I don't know what you talk about, but talk about whatever. It doesn't matter. And you keep doing that. And what happens is they recognize something within you that's different, that's whole, that's purposeful. And they will ask you because you cannot deny it. The light always defeats the darkness and you've got the light of Jesus. They will ask you what's different about you. One of our leaders and a team mom thing is just thinking about this. He was, a fire, he was a fire chief. And the way that he lived his life, one of the firemen came up to him and said, look, I don't know what you have, but I need it. And I need you to tell me what it is. And he goes into this passionate thing. I need it. What is it that you have? I need it. It's powerful. He had never said even Jesus' name to the man. That's what's up. That's it. You have Jesus. Jesus saw that woman for who she was. And I want to give you this. If you want to understand what power means in Greek, it means do not miss. Meaning manly vigor in opposition to a spirit of cowardice. You have manly vigor. Ladies, you too have manly vigor. It's powerful. 
You're not here doing it by yourself. Recently, I got bored. My wife loves it when I get bored. I get into something a little extra. And two young men showed up at my house. They're Mormons. I've never met Mormons before. But I was curious. I don't know, so now we hang out and talk. I've had them over to the house sitting at the dinner table. I'm just getting to know them. The thing about Mormons is they're super nice. You ever met a Mormon? That's some weird spiritual warfare. I like y'all so much. You are so nice. It's weird. But I let them talk, and they went into the Book of Mormon. I was reading the Mormon book with them. And then at the end of it, this young, this young man said to me, have we told you enough about the Mormon church? You think you might want to join? I said, oh, boy, we're a long ways away from that, buddy. <laughs> and I said, uh, how can I pray for you? And the one young boy looked at the other young boy, and he said, look at this guy's flipping the script on us. I said, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and he went on to something about how I could be praying for him. And so I did. And the one young man said, pray that I receive revelation from Jesus. I said, boy, you have no idea what you've just asked for. Gotcha. They're coming over Tuesday. Anybody want to come to the house? <laughs> it's a bit of a trip. But I want to give you this because, look, that's what Jesus did with this woman. He simply had a conversation. And I want to give you this. This is powerful. Listen to me right now. If you, got to, you have got to hear this. If you are here today for the first time in church, or if you're here for the first time in a long time to church, I can't tell you how many times I have a conversation, even just recently with people, when I ask them, where do you go to church? And they said, no, no, I don't do that. I don't go to church. Hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. I've seen this in the church. I've seen this in the church. I've seen this in the church. And I just look at them and say, I see it too. And I too have been hurt by church a lot. But it's not about church. It's about this man, Jesus. Jesus cares. And I want you to understand what caring means. Watch this. Look at it from the noun form. The work or practice of looking after those unable to care for themselves. Is that not what Jesus did? In Romans 5, 6, we see, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. It's not possible. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Some of us are just better at denying it. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus cares. He came to save us. And so we will look at how do we care for people? We understand they can't save themselves. And that's all you need to know. And when Jesus wraps your heart and gets into your life, you remember that he cared for you and saved you. And you get to represent him. And you get to sit with people who are lost and broken, who don't even realize they need Jesus, but they know they need something. And you get to sit there and say, oh boy, let me tell you how your life's about to be wrecked. Some of you today did this. I'm going to go to church tomorrow, and I don't know what I'm going to wear. Maybe you showed up thinking, are these people going to be nice? Or are they going to be fake? Is a smile on their face when they greet me? Is it going to be genuine? Or is it going to be a show? You see, you and I had the same conversation, didn't we? Maybe you come to church here. Maybe you had some anxiety or some angst about something else about coming to church. We all battled that this morning and last night, didn't we? You see how God flipped that intro to this sermon.
Look at how he works. Do you understand the God that we serve and Jesus that he gave us because he loved us so much? He gave us Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus, come on, let's get that keyboard going. Do you understand that God loved the world so much that he gave us his only begotten son in a verse that you've heard a thousand times and seen on Tim Tebow's face a million times? He loved us so much that he gave us Jesus, Jesus, the preeminent one, which says in Colossians, Jesus, listen, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, that Jesus. That's who we serve. That's who this church serves. They put it on the banner. It's a Jesus church. Because it is. Because that's who we serve and we recognize that. And when I have conversations with Sean, he sees everyone like Jesus saw the woman at the well. In need of a savior. And that's how I see kids. And that's how I see community leaders. In my role, I get to meet with all kinds of people. I get to hang out with the mayor. It's not just about kids. I don't hang out with kids that much. But I represent Jesus. Listen to me, if you're here today, let's start it this way. If you're here today and you've been a believer in Jesus Christ maybe your whole life and you don't even understand what that means, you don't know how to live it out, you don't know how to care for people, today this was for you. You start by understanding that Jesus did what you couldn't do and you see your neighbor, you see your friends and people you come in contact with the same way. They can't save themselves. Let's have them over for dinner. Let's just say hi. And you start doing that. Our community will change. And it will be a radical thing. In a lot of ways, the church has failed us in training us on how to do this. These Mormon boys, let me explain to you. They're good. They're real good. They know exactly what to say and where to take you. It's a, pro, it's a progression. It's amazing. Why don't we do that? I'm so jealous of the Mormons in that way. For you, believer, lay it down. Lay it down. Any trepidation you fear, or just feel, anything that you have, it's not on you. You have God. You have Jesus. You have his power. That's how you're going to do this. You're going to sit here today and say, you know what? All right, I'm done. I'll do it. I'll do whatever it is. God, have your way with me. I'm here. Use me as a tool for your kingdom. Because when you start representing Jesus like that, then maybe the person sitting next to you today who doesn't know Jesus, who didn't know what to wear to church, who didn't know that when they walked in what to expect, and is sitting here today and knowing that they got this little bald guy up here screaming at them about Jesus, who's sitting next to you. And if that's you, this is your chance. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is a real deal. And this is a real church that don't care about anything other than Jesus. And I just want to give you a chance right now. If you want to just pray with me, let's all pray and let's close this thing out. I went past my time. I apologize. God, look at you. Look at you. The way you shine in here is so bright. 
the way your glory rests upon us and your peace rests upon us this morning is amazing. And we get to be here to experience it. Oh boy, what you're going to do. God, I've been in church my whole life. I never knew what to do. And I want to lay that down. I want you to have your way with me and I want to be used as a tool for you. Forgive me, love me, guide me, nurture me. Maybe today you don't know Jesus. And we I don't do this whole looking around thing, hands up. You want to do that? I think you say loud and proud, I need Jesus. And you put your hand up and say, God, I need you. I need the salvation that's offered through your son. I need him in my life because he's doing what I can't do. I can't save myself, but you can save me. And I want that. Welcome me into your kingdom. I give my life to you. If that's you today, put that hand up. I can't see it. Don't worry about it. Just put that hand up your life has changed today. You're brand new. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for today. And I thank you too that you've put together a church that cares about people and are led by a beautiful couple who cares about you and are willing to give their life to do whatever it is that you tell us to do. So God, we thank you for real life. We thank you for young life. We thank you for the times that we're going to have together, the plans that you've already put before us. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Praise your holy, holy name, Lord. Amen. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.